Hey, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Promo code DANGLE. Free shipping. 20% off. Is there anything else to say? No, I, I decided not to cut you off this time. Thank you. appreciate that. Yeah. How does it feel? But you know what you cut off? Your what? hair on your balls. <laughs> okay. Because that wasn't going where All I right. thought it was going. Jangle Sh- is your key word. Hey, Adam, what have you done to Cedric recently? No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, said he needed it. Or himself. <laughs> what? Ah, yeah. Snip, snap. Jangle. No. Right. Keyword, manscaped.com. And it, again, is 20% off and free shipping. To be fair to said, when I adopted him, they'd already done that surgery because, you know, when you adopt a dog, a rescue dog, they always give them to you um, spayed and neutered. Yeah, because Uh, because obviously you there are too many dogs in the world, much as we love them all. There's too many stray dogs. And uh, we got to do something about that. There it is. No, there's too many dogs. There aren't enough dogs. (laughs) Too many stray dogs. Um. Too many dogs without a home. So I, I got to I got to work this morning and I checked my mailbox for the first time in a month. Uh, why? What? Um, a month? I, I, yeah, because I get like mail, not not email, just like an actual mail, physical mail. Box. Yeah, yeah, thing thing, oh. mail area, and uh, it's not even a box. But anyway, um, I got this letter. I don't know if you you, you oh. saw the tweet. <laughs> so somebody who is a big time listener of this show, yeah, wanted to tell me, not only and I tweeted some of this. Not only that um, I'm selfish because I chose only to have one child, mm-hmm. but also uh, that uh, only children are not well adjusted, which I was like, Andrew, Andrew Berkshire I rightly mean, pointed fair, out, but right, he, Andrew rightly pointed out, he's like, that's a double burn for you and Everly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then they told, somehow this letter related to the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock slap. Um, uh, yeah, that makes a, sense. And a couple other things. So I just thought, I just thought if your Monday was going rough, just know that at 5.30 this morning, that's what I was reading. And I thought it was hysterically funny. And I tweeted it. And people were like, don't listen to them. I'm like, I wouldn't. <laughs> like, I, I'm okay. It'll be all right. Someone was, sent you a letter Like an this? actual physical letter. Did they, from Cali- from did they write it? Cali- it's the California person. Did yeah. they write it or Can you fucking stop? <laughs> stop. Steve gets them too. Did they, they write it or type, type it? Oh, they type and, it. And they also, they always have a different, um, they always have a different return address. And it's under a different name, but it's all fake, right? Mm-hmm. You can fake a return address. Right, it's easy. Right. Uh, like one time it was a scout for the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, or Kings. the Kings. It was the Kings? Kings. Yeah. yeah. And another time, like it was somebody else's thing. And I looked up the address and, you know, obviously. To the point where I contacted Ben Scrivens and I was like, who is this? Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. because he was with the Kings. <laughs> and it obviously is not a person with the Kings. It was just, it's just a wacky person being wacky. Please stop. So anyway, I thought Please it was, stop. I thought that was We're funny. not the only ones. We're not the no? it's a bunch of people in hockey. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just please stop with your PowerPoint presentations yeah. that you mailed to us. And that's the thing. There's please like please stop. There's like okay, so there's like a picture of us on this, mm-hmm. and there's like arrows pointing to our faces, and it with like a thumbs up, a thumbs down. Okay, yeah, and occasionally it'll have like a sticky note attached too because they forgot to make notes on the notes that they were making. Oh, man. So they made separate notes after they printed out full color ink, yeah. nice printer paper, like the thick stuff, mm. not even the cheap shit that you get at work. Mm. I, I, you know. Please stop. Committed to the bit. Um, anyway, listen, today's show is going to be uh, wow. mainly two things. Mainly the NHLPA and mainly uh, um, Eugene Melnick. Um, obviously, there are other things like um, Boston. Uh, we have confirmation that Boston 
uh, has an in with the referees. We'll get to that later in the show. <laughs> but I would like to say this: That's a joke. If you're good at if you're good at hockey, your name must be Connor. Yeah, you cannot be good at hockey and be named anything else because Connor Bedard mm-hmm. just became the first player his age to score fifty goals in the CHL. Man, what a special talent! First overall pick next year. Yes, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, future Coyote Connor Bedard is going to be. Uh, you don't know that. Yeah. Well, um, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear he's he's got a hundred and sorry. He finished with a hundred points on the season, just twelve behind uh, Archdeep Baines uh, in Red Deer, who had one hundred and twelve. And but you got to remember, Connor Bedard is quite young, and mm-hmm. so you think next year, barring injury, he's going to be the guy. And I just think it's really exciting to watch a talent like that. Does his name have to be Connor though? Because then here's yeah. what's going to happen for the next twenty years while he's in the NHL. Now, if I say Connor in context of the NHL, you know who I'm talking about. Connor to Connor to Connor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Connor to Connor. Yeah. But if, if Connor Bedard gets in, now we got to specify which Connor we're talking about. And see, like if I say McDavid, it seems like, well, that's his surname, right? So it's a little less personal. If I say Connor, that really brings it in close. Mm. You know what I mean? It mm. personalizes it. Mm. But now if I say Connor, there's dual Connors. And that's a problem. It's Connor versus Connor for the heart. We're only a few years away. No, it'll be Austin versus Connor. Yeah, you're right. Versus Connor. Well, so things will stay the same. Yeah, yeah, it'll be Austin versus Connor. (laughs) Three things. Uh, I want to check. I got now on Wednesday. I'm going to check and see where Connor Bedard is in uh, my franchise mode sim. Oh, because yeah, I want to see how EA's projected and what his career stats are. So I'm going to check that on Wednesday uh, during our live stream. Two, he's from North Van, so you know he's cool because everyone from North Van is awesome. And three. Um, 42 penalty minutes. You can't draft him. Oh. What a goon. What a, what a goon. Oh, no, yeah. 42 penalty minutes in WHL at 16? Fucking goon. Sounds what like a, a goon. Sounds like a dick. Stop me. gooning it up. <laughs> Wayne dick. Simmons light. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call Connor Bedard. Well, Wayne um, Simmons heavy, perhaps. Based oh, on yeah, a tweet based that on I had from last night. Your LFR. people reacted the... very normally to. So, the so Wayne, you've been running. Let's, so let's talk about it. So the <laughs> Islanders were eliminated. Everybody was like super happy about it. To be honest with you, as a Leaf fan, I want better for us. If we're going to eliminate the Islanders, I at least want it to be in a season where they didn't not play at home for three months. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not fair what happened to the Islanders. They're clearly a good team. The back half of their season was perfectly fine. They would have made the playoffs. Probably. Like, like so Sorokin. So people really good. Uh, was was very good. But uh the fight between Wayne Simmons uh, and Ross Johnson. Ross Johnson, who was a Toronto Maple Leaf organizational member for like three seconds, wasn't he? Back no, in the day? I think I think you're thinking of Justin Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I no. thought Ross Johnson was like the hired goon that they had. Under Put some Lou respect Lamarillo. on his name. He matched his career high of six points this season. <laughs> Dang, that's great. Yeah. Good for Ross. He's friggin' huge, though. He is. So tell me why Wayne Simmons is not a heavyweight. Well, because he's. we talk about him like he's a heavyweight, and people were very confused about that term, and I don't know why. Uh, because he will fight the toughest guys in the NHL. Wayne will. All of them. Yes. Okay. He will. He'll fight the toughest guys in the NHL because he does not care. But he's not a heavyweight at all. He's 180 pounds. He is eight pounds heavier than Mitch Marner. 
That's that's what he's listed as. He's I, lighter than Alex he's, Kerfoot. He's lighter than Colin Black. He's I, a thin dude, and I've really noticed it when the Maple Leafs Instagram they'll post uh, sometimes of the guys working out. Yes, and you'll see like him next to Willie, and Willie's like he's Thylander for a reason. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Willie yeah. Thylander is a yeah. thing. And you see Wayne, Wayne next to him, like oh Wayne's kind of like a relatively like average built guy. But then he puts <laughs> shin pads on, and you don't see it, right? And uh, he gave up. 52 pounds Ugh. to Ross Johnston. And that's like a relatively, that's run of the mill for him. Like I, we could go through his career NHL fight card. Mm -hmm. He's always the smaller guy mm -hmm. in a fight. Almost always, at least in terms of weight. And the way, the way I compared it is he's like a welterweight in UFC before weight cut, taking on a light heavyweight before weight cut. So it's like uh, I said, is Glover Teixeira taking on Kamara Woosman? Because well, everybody knows that. Yeah, well, that's why I pointed at you because you do know. <laughs> God damn it, man! Glover Teixeira is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm only here to represent the people like myself that don't watch you regularly. Glover Teixeira could play second base for the Texas Rangers. Definitely could. Damn, he could. He could. Glover, that's, yeah, a good baseball to the, that's a great baseball. Yeah, game. his parents are wrong. They got wrong him to the wrong thing. wrong sport, idiot. Yeah, way to go. His name is Glover. There's Glove in his name. Stupid. No, put uh, it on his ad. Let him okay. play second base. Do you know John Jones, Adam? I do know who John Jones. is. It's like Mitch Marner fighting John Jones. Okay, that's a big bit of a difference. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen. I, whenever you guys talk about T, uh, TFC UFC I'm happy to I'm happy to sit here mm -hmm. and go I have no idea what's happening here because there's a portion of our audience who has no idea what's happening here as well yep. and people oh, who love totally, it totally people who love it we've had requests for MMA podcasts yeah and perhaps I shouldn't have even made the comparison <laughs> because I didn't think I needed to explain it further than Ross Johnston weighs 52 pounds more than Wayne Simmons so there might be a little bit of a, a weight difference there. yeah you know what's wild is he got uh, a Other misconduct for, yeah, you. He got a misconduct for beacon at Patrick Maroon, who weighs even more. Weighs even more. He's 238. Ross Johnson's 232. Like, this dude is tough to the point of mm -hmm. insanity. And your main point was that he does it all the time. Yes, he does like, it all the time. Like you said, when you go through his fight resume, it's all these guys who are 50 pounds bigger than him, who are, who, uh, are higher. Uh, what am I trying to say? Who are taller than him? I don't know what you were trying to say, <laughs> not but I necessarily like it. taller. <laughs> I enjoy He's it. like he's six three. He's is he really? Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. So he's he's a tall guy, but he's uh, he's given up crazy weight mm -hmm. every time they're and the people. I, I I had people in the mentions like, well, the the weight doesn't matter. Oh, okay, it matters a little. It yeah. Oh, it matters a lot. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> I mean, tell me you've never fought someone without telling me you've never fought someone. <laughs> Like that is like even on the ice on on your 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 knife shoes, mm -hmm. uh, it it no. it matters a ton. It, mm. How you, if if mm. weight didn't matter, why would you hire big guys in the NHL? Yeah. Zdeno Chara notably always gets his ass kicked. Like oh, that's just because he's tall. Those yeah, guys, no. wake up! Holy <laughs> but, shit! Steve, I was just many, trying to make an innocent point, and people got a galaxy. How many of these people did you talk about this in real life with? None. Okay, so you argued with a bunch of people on the internet about <laughs> a weight difference in fighting. See, people keep telling me to just not read anything, which I'm like, 
You know this is my gig, though, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, I can't just ignore everyone. But you're not living by your own rule, which is, when in doubt, don't tweet. That was the very large mistake I made. <laughs> and it wasn't even to do with Wayne. I know. I yeah. Know. Listen. Oh, well. Hey. Um, Whatever they won. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously, um, good game last night against the Islanders. Sort of just, you know, another game. No matter. Um, without great, Austin. Yeah, yeah, great without Austin. Uh, Mitch Marner matches a career high 94 points. Here's my question. And I want to put this. I want to see how the rest. I want to see how Philly's game, the Philly game goes. Because if if he scores again in Philly, I think this is a prop bet we need to put on Sports Interaction. Okay. Will Mitch pass Austin? Will Mitch score 40 goals? What's he at? 34? 34. He's played 67 games. If he'd played a full season, I think he would get there. But since there is... Is it... They played 76 games? Yes. So, so he's got six, six games, games to do it. Six games to score six goals. Can he get six goals in, six, in the next six games? He has done that this season. I think that's a bet you try to take. Oh boy! I think that's a bet you try to take. So we'll we'll not good you. odds. Not good odds. But let's see how Philly goes on Friday, and let's see maybe what. Uh, how many games can... in between now and then? Uh, I believe now it's just Friday. I yeah. believe it's just Philly, isn't it? No, they have no. they have Philly, and then they have a game Thursday and a game Saturday Sunday. Oh, yeah, it's like a pack schedule. Oh, mama. Yeah. Tell me hey, for it. my birthday last week. <laughs> for my birthday last week, Natalie got me tickets to the last game. Oh, so I'm against going Boston. against Boston. But I don't know if that means that the stars will not be playing because it'll be the last game and who's going to be playing. Mm. It's not quite the NBA, but like um, expect Matthews to play I don't know, 18, 15 minutes. Yeah. But know. if he tweaked his like, like, OK, but let's say Matthews. What's he at goals wise now? 65? Uh, still 58. 58. Excuse me. Uh, why did I say 65? Um, I have dreams. I have dreams. If he is still fighting for that 60 goals. He's going to play. He's got to pull an Ovechkin. He's got to score a hat trick in his in his second last game. But he's also got So that it's his last game. Right. <laughs> and then they scratch him. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. would sit Matthews like entirely if if it, anything's wrong with him, sit him out. Who cares? Right. Matthews is 58. Yeah. We you can hit 60 next year. Hope, you know, it's this playoff run is so important. Hope you guys like uh, top power play featuring Joey Anderson and Carl Dahlstrom. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. Because, uh, yeah. Hey, listen, get those guys some time. And you know what? Get them in. G games like that are kind of fun, too, because it's like, I don't even know how these guys play because they've been sitting for so long. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, you know who looks more. like they could use an NHL contract? Rich Clune. Just oh. no. <laughs> sign up, Richie Call him up, him. And Curtis Douglas, yeah. and let's all have a very let's, peaceful affair. Who's playing goal? Dickie, Dickie Clune versus Trent also Frederick. Rich Clune. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fun. I don't Man. think anyone you, wants to open that door. If, okay, before we get to the serious stuff, in all honesty, have you guys, you ever met Rich Clune? Great oh, guy. Oh, yeah. 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 Great guy. Do you remember when he walked in? Was, were you there? He was there. Yeah, at uh, Kiss. Yeah, because yeah. his, his aunt is one of the heads at, at Roger Sports and oh, Media. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, so she brought him in, kind of toured the new studios when they were built. And, uh, and I remember shaking his hand and my hand disappeared in his hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, he's an Olympic powerlifter who happens to play hockey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like his chest could swallow you. Like it's just yeah. huge. He's huge. And I said, you know, really looking forward to the, the Marley season this year or whatever. And he said, well, I'm trying to make the Leafs. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I said the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. He could have killed me right there. No, but that's the attitude they all have to have. Of course. And he's a captain for a reason. He, the captain of your AHL team, 
has to want to not be on the AHL team. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. And yet the captains, usually the captains on the AHL teams are the guys that are staying there. Like that, who's the captain, captain of the Growlers? And they put him in all the advertising. Ah, oh, crap. I don't remember. But he's seems like a great, but you got to think that that guy's like, I want not, nothing against Newfoundland, but my goal is to get to the AHL. I want to say he's a former NHL player. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. James Melindy? No, well, that yeah. wasn't the guy I was thinking of. Anyway. They've they've had former NHLers on the team. It's uh, yeah. you got it. You got to want the call up. You got to if you're not on an NHL contract, you got to want the contract. There are success stories. Justin Hall was in the freaking ECHL. Sure was. Crazy. Sure was. And he played his 200th game last night. That's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing, especially considering what almost happened to his career. What he almost got Babcocked. He did get Babcock. The dude played 11 games in oh, a season right. where he was perfectly healthy. And I remember our season preview show for whatever season it was where he broke out. I think it was 1920. And <laughs> I just remember we were talking about like what the Leafs decor is going to be. And we kept putting Justin Hall in there. And I was like, guys, stop. Stop. Right. He's a, we need NHL players. He's an NHL practicer. He yeah, didn't, he did not play last year. Yeah, you can't put him in the lineup. Friend of the show, Frank Corrado, who uh, also had that NHL unfortunate practicer. decision. Yeah. yeah, which was not fair. Um, I'm glad those days are over. To be honest with yes, you, yes, me too. You stop holding players hostage. Um, okay, so let's talk about the serious stuff here. Um, a lot of reading over the weekend. Yeah, a lot of reading. So we'll start with the NHLPA and, and Don Fear, and you have to understand here that. Um, if you're going to release bad news, um, the best time to do it is Friday afternoon. What a crock of shit. The best, best time to do it, especially in a, in a league that, that really, I find the NHL does take Friday, Friday nights off, even though teams play games, the media takes Friday nights off because Saturday's a big night and then Sunday's a bit more of a chill night as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everything gets good back on Monday. Mm -hmm. But as far as information flow Friday afternoon, things kind of just die. Um, and, uh, except for our podcast, which strangely do very well on Fridays, sure. um, the Dawn fear NHLPA drop. Apparently this was, um, this was a outside report that was done by a, another, you know, group of lawyers that basically investigated if there was anything more that the NHLPA should do, could do could have done better, needs to do better in the future, as it pertains to a situation like Kyle Beach. You have a player who's not quite yet an NHLer, and Kyle Beach was a black ace, and I don't know what the distinction is in the playoffs if you're quote-unquote an NHLer at that point. But I believe the problem was he had not played an NHL game yet, so he was not part of the NHLPA. Of the PA, yeah. As soon as you play the game, then you're then you're a member of the PA. And that, that doesn't count preseason, by the way. Right. So... Um, so how does the NHLPA handle a situation like this in the future? Now, they said they were going to drop it, I don't know, 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. No, they said they were going to, uh, Pierre Lebrun originally reported it was going to be Friday morning. Friday morning. And then due to a power outage, mm -hmm. because... Which apparently there were, because of right. the windstorms. It wasn't untrue. Like, right. It, uh, the they idea, weren't lying. The idea that you can't release a document to the internet... In this day and age, like you don't have a battery power, you don't have LTE. My dog ate my scandal. Yeah, it seemed a bit like that. So they waited. So again, it was supposed to come out Friday morning, came out Friday afternoon, mm -hmm. like 4.30. And it talks about 
And, and it was out Friday because a vote took place on Thursday Correct. amongst all the members of the NHLPA. They decided executive. we're going to we're going to the executive. We're board, going to yes. release this. We're going to we're going to vote to see if we want to release this report that's just been cleaned up. And uh, they all voted. Yes, let's let's release it. And they said, let's do it within 24 hours. And the next day happened to be Good Friday. A day when Canada's Oops. not working and the United States, States is, is definitely not working. They're long, definitely not working. Yeah. And reporters weekends. on around. It's a long weekend. And a lot of said, people are going to travel. They're traveling to yeah. cottages. They're traveling to see family. They're uh, they come on. It was conveniently time. We're, we're, we're not stupid. Now we know that that as a as a preamble to this, uh, the NHLPA and the agents met last week. Fridge talked about it on on Thirty Two Thoughts, and Don Fear. I'm not sure if you know this or not. He skipped the question period between the NHLPA and the agents because basically they do these day-long presentations. And Don Fear uh, then comes up at the end of it. And the way the day traditionally goes is agents have questions for Don Mm -hmm. and they ask. And so what happens is Don gets up towards the end of the day and walks out and starts talking to the media. The media being, I believe, uh, Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli who are waiting outside. Uh, and somebody from the PA comes up and says, oh, Don won't be able to answer answer your questions. He's unfortunately been tied up. The media the media tied him up. When we What we understand from Fridge now is that Don came right up to them. So, uh, please repeat that. Okay. Please repeat that because it bears repeating. So so again, from, from what I under, am, am to understand about the situation, day long... You're expecting to talk to the commissioner Day-long of the PA. What? Day-long meetings between the it's, PA. It's the first meeting in two, two years. years between the NHL agents and the NHL PA. They right. all got into a conference in Toronto down the street from here. And every year, there's rule changes. There's structural changes to the CBA that both sides agree on. Don Fear and, and his team, it's their job to update the agents on it so that they know, right? And at the end of this... If an agent has a question for Don, and there's like 150 agents or something like that, they're all there, then they raise their hand and they ask the question. So Don gets up and leaves midway through the afternoon, right towards where question period is supposed to happen. Uh, at least this is how we understand it. Somebody from his office comes up to the podium and goes, uh, uh, is this thing on? Um, anyway, Mr. Fear will not be answering questions today. Hmm. This is the one opportunity the agents have to talk to him in front of like a public forum and have an open discussion. Otherwise, it's one-on-one. And he, they said, well, he's been, he's been basically taken by the media now. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to him. But what we understand from Elliot and from what he said and from what was kind of put out there is that he approached Frank and Elliot and started talking. If I didn't know any better, I would say Donald Fear was a coward. <laughs> is that and, how you feel? And Elliot yeah. said that he felt used and he was entirely used in that situation as a cloak for fear not to talk. So Donald Fear sat there all day, did not take any questions. And when it was time for him to take questions, he approached the media and used the media. First of all, let's say Elliot and Frank Mm -hmm. lassoed him like Red Dead Redemption 2 and they brought him in and they abducted him and forced him to answer questions. Mm -hmm. That is inadequate. If I was an uh, an agent, I would say, fine, I'll sit here. I'll sit for you. I what what are they recording a podcast? Right. How many questions are they asking him? A scrum doesn't take that long. I am going to sit here and you're going to answer my goddamn questions. What kind of a union is this if our leader won't answer the union's questions? Forget finding a replacement for Donald Fear. 
uh, because he's still in charge. No, he isn't. No one is in charge of the NHLPA. Donald Fear is a tradition like a turkey. He's he's just sitting there doing nothing, which was the whole problem in the first place with this Kyle Beach situation. He did nothing. So for over a decade, Donald Fear has done nothing. He is there when there is something to negotiate and then he's fucking gone. He's a ghost in the wind. Coward. So, and we haven't even got to the report yet. Right, sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting. So, uh, so in this situation, obviously, Resign. The, 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 the frustrating part, I think, is there's a couple of things. And I think the major question that the agents wanted to ask is what's the succession plan mm -hmm. don fear is is 70 74 years old yeah. and i don't think it's an unfair question to ask at this point it's not ageism it's don it, it is time for somebody else to take over yeah, and CBA you at to least, negotiate at in five least, years at least name someone right. and the latest thing is that they're going to talk about it this summer so well, the, that wasn't, and, and last week, that wasn't even the case. This is something that's emerged in the last, like, 48 hours-ish, right. is that this right. summer, they're going to talk about the succession plan for Donald Fear. Yeah, because now they that released that shitty report, and yeah. they're like, oh, fuck, no one bought it. Right. So, so we get into the report itself. A couple things I want to highlight. Um, so, obviously, when you read the report, it's 20 pages long. The last three or four pages are just a bibliography, so it's actually not that long of a read. And a lot of it is stuff that you know. They go into, what? why are we here? Jenner and Block, what's that? Who's Kyle Beach? Who's Dr. Shaw? Who are, you know, who are Kyle Beach's agents? Because there's two agents mentioned here, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'll read this. The core disputes, at least as far as contact with the NHLPA is concerned, are the sharply conflicting accounts provided by Fear and Gurney about their conversation with each other and Dr. Shaw and Beach regarding theirs. So there's two conflicts. Don Fear and Mr. Gurney, who is uh, Kyle Beach's agent, and then there's Dr. Shaw and Kyle Beach. And in both cases, both Kyle Beach and his agent said, we spoke to the NHLPA, we expected to hear back, and we never heard anything again, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the NHLPA's position has always been... Um, can't really remember, can't recall the conversation um, and not totally sure if this is one of our things that we needed to, or that we should have been handling anyway. Now, it's very clear that the player perspective on this in the current NHL climate is that the NHLPA absolutely needs to respond to things like this because, duh, human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Now, um, uh, if you're an NHL player, I want you to think about it like this. I want you to think about it like you're an NHL player. So last week, you find out, or two weeks ago, I guess, you're, you find out that the agents meeting and the NHL, uh, the NHLPA meeting happens, and you find out that the head of your players' association, through your agent, would not stick around to answer questions. First off, even if I'm, even if I don't read a book, if I, if I can't, if I don't give a shit about uh, labor relations, if I don't give a shit about any of this stuff, if I am a part of a union and I find out the union head is running away from my agent's questions to them, that's a red flag for me, right? I that's hope, a big deal. That's my hope. Yeah, my hope is it's a red flag, and uh, not you know what the playoffs are around the corner. I don't need this shit because yeah. that attitude is what got us here in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, um, so here's what here's what we have here. Regarding Gurney and Fear, Gurney told us in substance that he called Fear, and then Gurney again, Kyle Beach agent at the time, called Fear in late December 2010 after Beach told him that he had heard that Aldridge, Brad Aldridge 
had been hired as a video coach by USA Hockey in connection with a tournament that was held in late December, early January 2011. Gurney said that, although he had never met Fear, he called him because he believed that as recently appointed NHLPA executive director, which he still retains, Fear would likely uh, know the appropriate person at USA Hockey to contact to warn them about Aldridge's behavior. Gurney told us, uh, this is the uh, investigators, told us that he recalled describing Aldridge as a pedophile or a sexual predator in his call with Fear, but did not provide Fear with any details of what allegedly transpired between Aldridge and Beach. Fear denied having any recollection of the call, a position that he has consistently maintained both in public statements and of interviews with him. In our interviews with Fear, who is an experienced lawyer, they made note of that, Repeatedly, he made the same point that if Gurney had either described Aldridge as a pedophile or a sexual predator or requested him to contact USA Hockey, he would have remembered it. Fear is adamant that the incident, uh, uh, fear is adamant that had the incident been so reported to him, he could not and would not have taken or agreed to take any further action without being provided with more details regarding the alleged incident, including uh, whether Beach had reported or was prepared to report the incident. So that's interesting because if you're a victim of a crime like this, um, a lot of times people are like, you got to say something. You got to say something. And victims oftentimes don't want to speak up. And there's a myriad of reasons why. Embarrassment being chief among them, mm-hmm. right? The same reason why people, like, how did Kyle Beach is 210 pounds, Brad Aldridge is 5'6. How could this happen? Mm-hmm. This happens. Mm-hmm. We know that this happens. So, so, so fear says, listen, I don't remember this phone call. But even if I did remember this phone call, I still wouldn't have been able to do anything about it because he hadn't reported anything. So I'm exonerated two times. That's what it looks like to me. After an exhaustive review of the entirety of Fear's emails during the same time period failed to reveal any reference to his call with Gurney, much less any discussion of the alleged incident between Beach and Aldrich, a significant omission, and I've underlined this in my notes. This is important. A significant omission given Fear's documented practice of immediately following up with other matters of much less significance. So to put that into layman's terms, Donald Fear is a lawyer. When a lawyer takes a phone call, they have got to register what they what was discussed on that phone call. Because what can happen is somebody could say, hey, you had a phone call in December or January of 2011 or 2012. Uh, and it was 14 minutes long, which by the way, we'll get to, what were the contents of that phone call? And they went through every email Donald Fear has ever sent at the NHL, as the NHL executive head, right? They went through every tens of thousands of emails, 10 years of emails. They went through all of them to find one reference and they did not find a single shred of evidence that he mentioned it. But what they did find was a propensity to be extraordinarily detailed. To 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 if it's the tiniest little thing, Don Fear writes it down, follows up on it. So their position is well, he keeps very detailed notes, and because he did not have any notes on this, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. That's not necess- That's that's Fear's position. That's not the. Uh, reports that's position. not the reports position and let me Jesse I know you want to jump into let, no, me just, go ahead. let me just follow that up with this copies of the NHLPA's phone records and some of Fear's personal cell phone records from the time in question were found in storage and upon review revealed a 14 minute call 
from Fear to Resnick within hours of the email being sent. Fear and Resnick were separately shown all the records and neither had any recollection of the call. Resnick is another agent. Another agent involved. Yes. yes. Ultimately, uh, this is where the this is where the uh, kind of report sort of. I, I didn't want to get too too in depth because I think you should read it. But obviously, I wanted you to come away with sort of the idea of what's happening here. Ultimately, the failure to act on Beach's reports stems from a failure of communication. All parties involved managed to walk away from these interaction under some misapprehension. Gurney and Beach walked away. Agent and player walked away from their respective conversations, believing that someone, possibly Fear or somebody else at the NHLPA or Dr. Shaw. Uh, had agreed to take responsibility for contacting USA Hockey. Dr. Shaw thought that the others, either the union or Beach's agent, would address Beach's concerns with USA Hockey and that he was bound to keep what Beach told him confidential. Resnick believed he was sharing a concern about a coach who was odd, bullying, and inappropriate, but not a sexual abuser, and fear and Gurney's differing accounts of how the call uh, went are difficult to reconcile because they are fundamentally incompatible. However, given Fear's years of experience and training as a lawyer, his failure to recall the conversation or take any further action strongly suggests that, at a minimum, he did not leave the call with the understanding that he had agreed, either personally or on behalf of the NHLPA, to contact USA Hockey. And in, in a lawyer sense, you have to look at it like, we can't make any assumptions here. So at very least, he walked away not understanding the situation. So, as a dumb layman who's not a lawyer, can you explain to my little brain um, how to interpret that? Because I'm interpreting that as Donald Fear essentially has immunity here because of oh, his yeah. years of experience. Oh yeah, as a he's lawyer. he's fine. So so here it is. You know, usually what a fucking disgrace. Usually your best defense is I don't know. That's Just usually say you the don't best. Know. Well, that's what he did say. Mm-hmm. He's repeated that. Every time. So if if you're a practicing lawyer, all you have to do is say, I don't know, and you can get away with fucking anything? Um, no, but I think it's the idea is... So it's what they're saying is, listen, Donald Fear, trained lawyer. Yeah. Labor relations, MLBPA, head of the NHLPA. Okay? This guy, this guy headed up both of those unions. This guy knows exactly what it is to be a lawyer in this union. You gotta, you gotta keep track of your calls. You gotta keep all these records. You gotta make sure that everything's professional above board. But in this one instance, he is this 14-minute phone call. He can't recollect. And somebody's saying, This is what I told Don Don Fear. And Don Fear is like, I have no recollection of that. I'd be curious to know if it was common practice for him to keep records of conversations pertaining to players who are not in the NHLPA, which Kyle Beach was not. I well, they're saying that every call. The, the assumption that I got, what I inferred from the document is that everything he did, he documented, mm-hmm. which is what you should do. Yeah. Pizza and guy, so their, their, parents, so their conclusion, they said, our conclusion is further supported by the absence of any evidence that fear either memorialized the conversation or discussed it with anyone else affiliated with the NHLPA, including his brother, Stephen, who is outside counsel to the NHLPA. This departure is completely at odds with Fear's documented practice of routinely and promptly tasking others to follow up on matters of much less significance. That, so they're saying they this 14-minute phone call that he can't recall is completely out of character for how he normally conducts business based on the tens of thousands of emails they went through. According to who? According to the third-party investigator. But you just you, you just quoted his brother? No, no. I didn't quote his brother. Uh, well, they, they talked to his brother, who is an outside counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they asked him like, did did Don Fear talk to you about this? And he right. said no. Which oh. I mean, 
Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Good. Thanks. So, Big so um, a lot of, I, I think in the report, it also states that like nobody remembers hearing about this. Nobody can remember hearing about this, which means he probably didn't talk to anyone about it. If he, if he was told or whatever, at very least here, I do think it's odd. Like if you do, if you do everything the same way professionally, if you, there's a system in place, right? And then just this one time you didn't, it's suspicious. For me, the no. conclusion of the report is that it's very hard to believe Donald Fear's recollection of the situation. Like, that's that's all. I came to the conclusion that most likely his tale of the story is untrue in my eyes and that he has all of the records and the resources to back up his claim that I don't remember because he's meticulous in these things and he's organized his life in a way that if he wants to erase this and pretend it didn't happen or not have memory of it, he can do that. But I think it's very hard to believe that he did not have this conversation and that he was not told by, uh, I believe it's Resnick who called him. Resnick, yeah. Resnick called him and told him that uh, Aldrich uh, is a pedophile because Resnick said that he used those words in the phone call. And it's hard for me to believe that that phone call didn't happen. That's the conclusion I I drew from the report. I think it's clear the phone call happened. What's unclear... And what we could never in a no in a no, legal, uh, no according to according to fear the phone call might have not happened. Well, no, they've got the records though that say it's fourteen minutes, fourteen minute call. He doesn't recall, he can't it. recall it. He doesn't recall it. So there's so there's we know so the call much, happened though. We know the call happened and we know what happened and that he should have reported it to USA Hockey. We know all those things unless he bought him or something. He's he set minutes. it up so that he can just escape from this. And that's a shame. So. They voted to release the contents of this report. What they did not vote to release was the recommendations that Cousin and O'Connor, or Cousin O'Connor, the law firm, they made recommendations based on the report. Sure. They would not release those recommendations. I can see why. I can see why, too. You, will you want to hear my theory as to why? Please. Who's involved here? Kyle Beach goes to his agent. His agent calls Donald Fear and speaks to Dr. Shaw. Um, and I think Kyle spoke to Dr. Shaw as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neither of them uh, can fucking remember anything. Or, well, we'll get to Dr. Shaw in a minute. But Donald Fear goes, I don't recall. And it dies. It dies. That's not even a fucking organization. That's nothing. That's your infrastructure. That's your HR. That's how you handle things. If it goes from player to agent to boss and dies, you have no infrastructure. What Jenner and Block found with the Chicago Blackhawks is they violated their own HR policy. Mm -hmm. That's a big reason that they were found to be in the wrong. They had a written down, these are the rules for how the Chicago Blackhawks are run. They did not follow those rules and it led to X, Y, and Z and people lost their jobs. The NHLPA doesn't have shit. They don't have an infrastructure. So what I'm willing to bet the recommendations from Cousin and O'Connor are is, hey, why don't you act like anything? Why don't you act like an actual players union? Why don't you act like an organization? Why don't you act like you're trying to run uh, any sort of thing containing human beings? Why don't you act like adults? I'm willing to bet that was one of the recommendations because if the system is set up so that the dude at the top can do whatever he wants, which includes nothing. Mm-hmm. 
And Which I, I think is often the case. But but that's doesn't just it, my theory. Doesn't it look like the Blackhawks wanted nothing to do with this? The NHLPA. It looks like we know the Blackhawks wanted nothing to do with it because what what did you find out about uh, what did you find out about the new revelation with Kyle Beach? Well, so there was another report, and I'm trying to find it, but there was a there was an agent. Sorry, not an agent. There was a reporter who covered the Rockford IceHogs at the time of. Um, at the time Kyle Beach was there and looking back, holy fuck, what a time to cover the Ice Hogs, given mm-hmm. what we know about them. Uh, Akeem Alou is still waiting for any sort of recognition um, on you know what happened with him and everything. But basically, he read through the Jenner and Block report, and I'm trying to find it right now. But he read through the Jenner and Block report and uh, basically it jogged his memory for the timeline. The Houghton County Police, um, where Brad Aldrich was arrested, contacted the Chicago Blackhawks and basically gave them the heads up. Hey, a former employee of yours was just caught doing this Mm -hmm. and they've been arrested and we wanted to let you know. The timeline is not 100% clear, but within the week of that phone call, either before or after, and that's, that's the contentious part and it's vital to the story the the timeline is very suspicious that Kyle Beach was then lent to HV71 a team in Sweden he had a fantastic offseason he worked hard he was in beast mode and was then here we're gonna lend you to HV71 while Brad Aldrich was in the news right because remember, a big thing with Kyle Beach's story is he did not know Brad Aldrich was arrested until I think it was 2019. That's correct. When when uh, I think it was John Doe 2 when that story came out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, and that happened in 2013. Mm-hmm. So in 2013, the Houghton County Police make an arrest. They inform the Chicago Blackhawks. And at some point... Very close to that time. The Blackhawks loan Kyle Beach to HV71 in Sweden. He never hears anything. And like a month and a half later, something like that, he comes back. He joins the Blackhawks organization, is a healthy scratch, plays his first game of the season, scores a hat trick. I believe he played the next game, scored another goal, and then was traded to the New York Rangers for Brandon Machinter. I think it was. So he was out of sight, out of mind, comes back, and gone. Fuck, I hope he got so much money. Mm. I hope he got so much goddamn money, and I hope that's why Bill Wirtz blew his top um, at that uh, little fit that he had. We're not going to talk about the past. We're not going to talk about the past. Yeah, super stoked that you're uh, (laughs) one of the executive owners of the league that I friggin' cheer for and have hitched my wagon to, you absolute disgrace of a human being. So Here it is, sorry, from Chris. (laughs) it's from Chris Block. That whole thing was just because you were looking for (laughs) the report. But also he believes it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A little side. Yeah, Chris, here. You got it? I sent it it to the both of you. So it's from... The third man in dot com, uh, written by Chris Block, who used to cover the uh, Rockford Ice Hogs. Okay, and he cited page we, sixty-four and sixty-five of the Jenner and Block report. Can we include that in the in the link descriptions? 
You think yeah. that's okay? Here, you sure. want me to read the excerpt that he cited sure. from the General yeah. Black Yeah, no, I'm just saying, can we include it so people, people care and want, want to read it? Sure. In September 2013, the director of human resources uh, of the Chicago Blackhawks, that's me adding that, was contacted by the Houghton, Michigan Police Department. A detective stated that the police were investigating Aldrich because Aldrich was suspected in a criminal sexual assault. So I made a mistake. I said he was arrested. It's they were investigating the director of human resources recalled the detective telling her the police heard there were hangups with males affiliated with the Blackhawks. The director of human resources recalled telling the Houghton detective that Aldrich had resigned, uh, but she could not provide more details over the phone. The director of human resources further recalled that she told the detective that if served with a subpoena, she would co- co- cooperate. The director of human resources stated that she did not recall hearing from the detective again. In October 2013, Aldrich was arrested and charged in Houghton, Michigan with third and fourth degree criminal sexual conduct involving a minor. In December 2013, Aldrich pled guilty to fourth degree criminal sexual conduct involving a minor. In 2014, Aldrich was sentenced to serve nine months in jail and five years of probation. By the way, he only served seven. That's a little note at the end from seven months. That is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so, you know, Steve mentioned, you know, he thought that he knew, you know, what was in the, uh, what was in the recommendations. Um, I think part of the reason you don't release the recommendations is, A, it makes the PA look bad. B, it makes fear look bad, which is bad for the PA versus Gary Bettman. Forget, you know, the players might be against Donald Fear, but they also need to not have their PA head look like shit in front of the NHL, who they're going to be, you know, uh, negotiating with in four to five years. You you just, you got to have a show of strength. Um, uh, As terrible as that sounds, but I'm just saying politically, they can't do that. I think third, though, uh, the reason I, the real reason should be that you don't want to tell people at this point what the um, what the what the mechanism would be if this something like this ever happens again. And I think Rick West had actually said it best. He's like, listen, it's 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 going to happen. It is going to happen. We don't want it to happen. We want to reduce occurrences of it happening, but it will happen again. Of course. So the next time it happens, what's the protocol? Right. And if you reveal the protocol, it can put potential victims at risk, number one. Now, uh, number two, I do think that wherever this ends up going, the PA will have to tell its players, hey, if you're ever sexually assaulted, here's what you do. And tell the agents, hey, here, if your client ever claims this and says, and says this, is, this happened to them, here's what you do. So that will eventually get out. Um, but I think the other thing is, is that if their recommendations don't fit with where leadership at the PA wants to go and they've released them, then the public's going to ask why. And so if you don't release this, the public can't hold you accountable. And frankly, I would be curious to know how many of the NHL players playing currently get to know exactly what that report says too. Is it just the executive hmm. or is it, is was it, it everybody emailed to everybody? Yeah. Was it emailed? Every- Cause if know. it was, and you guys know this, the NHL, the walls talk, we would know like in 12 hours, it would be a report on Sportsnet. We know that. So I, I, I'm just, I, I think there's a lot of nefarious reasons why this isn't coming out. Uh, but I don't think they want to be held to account. And I think if you're looking for, if you're looking for proof of them not wanting to be held to account, look at what Donald Fear pulled a week and a half ago at the agents meeting. And like, how wasn't everyone screaming bloody murder about that? Oh, I think they might have been. 
I just don't I think they were, hope they were screaming bloody murder to the public. I'm skeptical because Rick Westhead tweeted, hearing of divide among NHL players over report on NHLPA executive Donald Fear. Some say Fear exonerated, others angry over his I have no recollection responses. Will be interesting to watch whether Fair, 73, he's wrong, he's 74, is allowed to influ influence search for his successor as he plots an exit. So I said, I, what I responded was, I read this as some NHL players have no critical thinking skills, but others do. And, <laughs> and, and the, no, 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 so, you, were, you responded very maturely with, uh, with your next tweet. That's hitting him hard. That's hitting him hard. I, dude, okay. It, tell me if this is not. Are you, you going to read the poop I'm, one? Yep. Okay. Uh, tell me if you think this is a good comparison right, or not. Poop, poop, magoo. NHL player one. This is a bucket of ice cream because the label on the bucket says ice cream. Player two. If you open the bucket, you'll see this is a bucket of shit. Player one. The label says ice cream. Player two, yes, it does. But if you open the bucket, mm -hmm. you'll see it's full of shit. It's very good. So the report, yeah, oh yeah, no, he just he didn't know, he didn't know. <laughs> Here's what. But if you read the fucking thing, it's sorry. There's more questions than answers in that one. Uh, so here's here's what here's my prediction. They're talking about this quote-unquote succession plan. Like, hey, we're going to bring somebody in, and over the course of three years, they're going to take over. Don Fear would be 77. If if the succession plan is done properly, you want somebody as the deputy head for like three years. Um, I don't think Donald Fear has got that long, guys. No. I think Donald Fear will be gone probably by the beginning of next season. Now, you could say, well, that's unfair. Bettman didn't go. Yep, I would agree with that. Bettman was extended. Bet Batman was extended. He signed his extension. We found out uh, roughly, uh, roughly around the time of the investigation. December. No, 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 not around the time. It was right as the results were the, given. The conclusion yeah. of the, the conclusion of the investigation. They the next meeting the GMs had. They signed him yeah. to not GMs owners had. They signed him to a five year extension. That was not publicly yeah. reported. Yeah, but while, that is out there now. Yeah, while we were all uh, being like, oh, I wonder if this is the end of Gary Bettman. The uh, the NHL's owners extended him half a decade. Yeah. yeah, and leagues, leagues going, going places. And I don't right. think anybody disagrees with you about Donald Fear because it's not even the pressure from the beach situation that's uh, outsting him right now. Mm -hmm. It's everything else, you know. It's it's his run the last couple of years, and I think everybody's just kind of tired of it. And this is kind of the final push, yeah. you know. So I don't think he he lasts to the end of 2022. No, sure. I, I don't think so either. You I know? think, um, yeah, they talk about succession plan. I, I'm I'm saying there's going to be an immediate. I feel like there has to be an immediate move yeah. here. And you know, frankly. Um, I, I, you know, what do you know about Don Fear? Like, uh, my impression of what, um, and I, I, <laughs> uh, despite Steve, you're going to roll your eyes at me here, but I thought that what Keith Olbermann talked about with Marvin Miller on the Agent Provocateur podcast when he was on, Marvin Miller being the MLBPA head who who got them free agency, who got them like got that union really going. I, I, I sort of long for the days of PA heads, NHLPA heads. Uh, it sounds like a schoolyard insult, PA head. Mm -hmm. um, I long for the days when they were outspoken, when they were rah, rah, rah union. And, you know, the, the, here's the other thing is that I, I, um, I know that in the NBA, star players are involved with the union. Mm -hmm. I know that in the NHL, star players could give a hoot about the union. Oh. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're not appreciating that it's there. But Chris Paul was like the head of head of the, like one of the heads at the, uh, at the NBA for like 
year. And Chris Paul is fabulously wealthy, never has to work again, still plays. Mm-hmm. And an extremely talented player who could have just focused on the game. But what did he do? What did LeBron do? They all show up. They're all rah, rah, rah owner. And what we're, not rah, rah, rah owner. They're all rah, rah, rah union. And to be honest with you, from what I've heard, from what we've seen, you know, like, uh, here's here's what I, do you want to hear a funny story? Sure. So I read, because we were getting ready for the Ken Dryden interview, the reason I keep referencing the Steve Monador book that he wrote is because I read it. And he talks about, this is separate, but it, it makes sense. He talks about in the last lockout, like the f- almost full year lockout in 2012, Steve Montador being one of the guys the media, media was talking to. About like, well, you know, he was on a, they were at an NHLPA event at a golf course. And, you know, Steve was, he said, Ken ta- describes him in the interview as well-spoken, clear-headed. And this is a guy with concussion issues. Well-spoken, clear-headed, complimentary of both sides, goal to go and negotiate a new deal, right? That's what he was saying. And, and I, my first thought was, and this is no disrespect to Steve Montador or his memory or the role he had in the league, but why is Steve Montador yeah. talking to the media on behalf of a league that contains Sidney Crosby yeah. and Alexander Ovechkin yeah. and, 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 and? Why is Steve Montador, guy who some mostly played defense, sometimes played forward? Did he? Yeah, he did sometimes play forward. I knew he played deep. Plur- scored a big goal in that Calgary run of the finals. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Why is Steve Montador the guy that's making that conversation? And there are other people like it. And I think, I'm not again, I'm not trying to denigrate a fourth liner or a third pair defenseman. But who do you think the owners are going to listen to? Right. They're going to listen to um, uh, Roman Polak? I don't know if Roman Polak's involved in the union. I know Matt Hunwick was. With the Leafs, you're you're yeah. asking why isn't that Sidney Crosby? Why isn't that Connor McDavid? Because why isn't that th- the big stars in the game? Because they will actually have some influence. They have they have some power within their star power because they are what drives the uh, revenue for the league. Is the players? Without the players, you have no league. So why aren't these guys taking a stance for their own peers? amongst these executives and standing up for something. Why aren't they the ones heading up these positions? Who's going to talk to Daryl Cates, who is a part of the NHL executive, by the way, the top eight owners in the league? Mm -hmm. Who's going to talk to Daryl Cates and get through to him better than Connor McDavid? You don't have a team without Connor. That's your business. Yeah. Who's going to talk to, let's say, Bell Rogers and Larry Tannenbaum better than Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? Mm -hmm. Who's going to chat with James Dolan? Mm Mm-hmm wild man that he is who's going to talk to him who would who would talk to the Chicago Blackhawks ownership if it wasn't Kane and Taze but here's the problem is that a lot of the time those players don't want to upset that relationship mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're close with the owners mm-hmm. I remember when in 2020 when it was at the height of the Black, Black Lives Matter incidents and um the NBA was getting ready to not play their games when the entire sports world was stopping. Um, one of the the stories out of that, when Milwaukee was the first team to decide not to play, one of the biggest stories out of that is that Giannis didn't want to play. That Giannis was the deciding factor on the team amongst amongst the guys in the locker room that he's like, we're not doing this here. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest name in the sport. That's mm-hmm. the biggest name on your team. Mm-hmm. He made that decision for the rest of the guys, and they listened. Because it's Giannis and he's talking. He's the MVP. Goes on to win the uh, NBA championship next year. Like, 
in the NHL, we need those guys to step up to these positions to make some change because that's who people are going to listen to. And remember I talked about there was an NHL uh, player who was very active in the union in the 2012 lockdown, uh, lockout, and he pissed enough people off that he was essentially blacklisted and it basically ended his NHL career. Who am I talking about? I don't remember the name. Of course you don't because it's Chris Campoli. I remember him now. And He's like, a Blackhawk, wasn't he? Uh, briefly. Like, all due respect to Chris Campoli... Right. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Now, CJ he was mentioned a, oh, today... Just, sorry, just we're, to we're, add on to that, one of the things yeah, I've... He, lo- sorry, he never played in the NHL again after 2011-2012. Not wow. once. There you go. So, they, the, so, he got them their deal. He helped get the players their deal. And then some union. Yeah, great union. Damn. Never played another fucking game. Sorry, Great Jesse. union, guys. Great job. Way, way to protect one of your own. I don't think you know how this works. <laughs> Adam, who did who did you and Alan have on to talk about the 93 lockout? The one that happened at the end of the season? Glenn Healy. Glenn Healy. When you guys had Glenn Healy. It was Healy. the 91 lockout, I think, by 91? the way. 91? Yes, okay. 91. Yeah. Sorry, I had the years. No, no. It's all, no, when, no, no. When, when, was it yeah, it doesn't matter. Early 90s. Go. Sorry. I'll that lockout. What pushed it over? What got the NHLPA their rights to all of their all of their likenesses was the big stars joining in the lockout. That it was, was Gretzky and Lemieux saying, "We are doing this together. We can make way more money on our own because they could because they could sell their own rights personally for as much money as they wanted." Mm-hmm. And they came in and they said, uh, "We're doing this as a union." When Healy got Wayne to join in the lockout, like that's what. That's what pushed it over. Like, that's what did it. It was Wayne Gretzky's likeness that they were holding hostage. Gretzky was the first player to make a million dollars, and he continued to make more and more. And rather than sit back and be fat and happy with that fact, he fought to get his fellow players more money. That's how this is supposed to work. That's not how this works today. The NHL salaries, when you look at it through history, and if they start going down in the in the oh, middle yeah. of it in the last like uh, what is it like forty years ish, and then because what was the period when um, there was guys in the eighties who made more than the top players in the mid. I want to say there, late 90s. There's some skew there because of the WHA. Like yeah. Bobby Hall, I think, was the first professional hockey player to make a million dollars. Wayne Gretzky was the first NHL player, mm-hmm. if I have that correct. Um, but you, well, you know what put it to a screeching halt was the 0405 lockout, mm. where the teams like the Leafs and the Red Wings and the Flyers had a payroll of like $70, $80 million. And then all of a sudden, the roof of the salary cap was, I think, 42 yeah. and a half. Oh, the first year out of the lockout. Yeah. The 40s, yeah. Yeah, so that that put it to a screeching halt. Glenn Healy is someone who um, Chris Johnston in uh, the Toronto Star today uh, mentioned as a potential successor to mm-hmm. Donald Fear. He's the head of the Alumni Association yes, right now. Can, can I tell you my own pet theory? Mm-hmm. Chris Pronger's Twitter showed up at a very <laughs> peculiar time. Yeah, but Chris Pronger and Jeremy Roenick and all those stars were like, don't forget what happened in the 2004 lockout. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that Chris Pronger and Jeremy Roenick and all those guys turned on Bob Goodnow and basically said, we're, we're ending the strike. We need to make our money now. The vets sold out every player that came after so you them can't, in that lockout. So if you're an NHLPA voter, you cannot have somebody that sold you out as a player now be the head of your union. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm saying I think he wants it. He's throwing his hat in the ring. Yeah. I'm saying I think he wants it, and he's been an outspoken guy. Glenn Healy's been an outspoken except for when, guy. Except for when his money was on the right. line. And, and your tweets. So, like, look at Pronger and Roenick and their contracts at that time. Yeah. Why do you think that they did that? 
Why do you think that after a year out, they're like, holy shit, I lost a year of salary. I'll never get that back. His tweets about how much NHL players make in actual money aren't, that's not what we need here, Chris Bronger. Yeah. Like, also, Chris, I, we fucking saying, did it. You should have just tweeted <laughs> yeah. our podcast. Right. That's not. I did it with Alan, with Frank not, Zappa. That's not your resume here, Chris. When I read that thread, I'm like, oh, he wants to replace Donald Fear. Like, no it kidding. Was, it just, it was, it was fairly naked wow. to me. Adam, do you know any outspoken agents, by the way? <laughs> I, think, I think Alan wants to remain an outspoken agent. I think if you're right. you're the head of a if you're the head do of you a need union, this pain in the ass. Well, yeah, like okay. First off, you make less money. I think probably number two, you <laughs> you have to deal with a lot more bureaucracy, and number three, um, at, like Alan has said it on the show, he's like a he likes to he was somebody asked him if he'd ever been offered like a a, a team job, <laughs> and he said that he had, but he said the reason he didn't take it was because he. He's a player guy, not a team guy. Well, you couldn't imagine trading a player. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not because like he thinks you're a bad person if you do it. It's just No, no, no. It's just not him. And he didn't he, want to do it. Which and is, that's he fine. gave that response after laughing for 10 minutes <laughs> at the yeah, guy on the true. phone who offered him the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Now, the other thing we need to talk about is Eugene Melnick, um, uh, the Katie Strang piece that, that came out about Eugene Melnick. Katie now, you can Strang, see this in The Athletic. Please read this. Yeah, Dan Robson. We're going to take some highlights. I'm not going to give you the whole thing because, again, some of these stories are so good that you need to read them. You know what I mean? Um, but here's the thing. And we talked about when Eugene Melnick died, um, as a broadcaster, as a person, you always want to be, be respectful of somebody that passed away. But there is a decidedly mixed and I would say more negative than positive reaction when you discuss Eugene Melnick with anybody, but mostly Senators fans. Let's talk about the people that matter, the Senators fans. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Like, he kicked it off, and, and I didn't know this. Katie Strang said that they they threw a $2 million party for season ticket holders and had the Eagles perform. The Eagles, who are the most expensive band on planet Earth, to get a ticket to the Eagles, it's like $300. And it's, it's not just Katie Strang. It's it's Ian Mendez, Dan Rod, sorry, and Katie Strang. Yeah, so it's yeah. all three of them together. I, I was... Sorry, Katie's just been on the yeah. show. And so not is Ian, of, Three people worked on okay. this. Okay. <laughs> we don't often cite articles written by three authors. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Fuck the other two. Just Katie. Uh, sorry, Ian. I love you, buddy. Um, not me! <laughs> I'm kidding. I do. So, so, I didn't know this, but that... that they had thrown off that party and mm-hmm. and there was a lot of goodwill and obviously you know BioVail, the company that he was the, the head director of obviously you know was doing quite well but then they talk about there's like a turn um in and around i think it was 2004 2005 something like that company has to pay out a bunch of money because of uh to not continue some litigation eugene's marriage breaks up um and apparently and i gotta be honest with you having dealt face-to-face with an alcoholic in in my life personally um these are these are the I, these are behaviors i personally recognize um, and this is and this is this is me projecting i don't know that i don't know that eugene melnick was but there sure are a lot of stories about his problem drinking can i it's read, heavily implied i've read got the one oh go ahead yeah which one do you want uh, do you want it do you want the the one where he arrived on his golf stream uh and yelled at people at the airport <laughs> I, or uh do you want the one where he's hanging at the bar with employees or what do you, which i one think you the 2007 oh, stanley run. cup final because you you uh mentioned the turn and and where things kind of strayed from that 2003 
um, concert to where it started turning. I think the 2007 uh, Stanley Cup run is kind of like that's the peak and then it comes down the rest right. of the way. Big Valley. So so it says uh, by at least 2007, a glimpse of him acting erratically and, or smelling like hard liquor would prompt a collective effort by those around him to keep him away from television cameras or the senator's locker room. After the Senators' run to the Stanley Cup Final in 2007 ended with a 6-2 loss to the Anaheim Ducks in Game 5, Melnick stood in the middle of the visitors' dressing room and delivered a speech to the dejected players that went on several wild tangents. At one point, he declared that he was once a goalie and pretended to make stick saves in front of the players. Melnick, who to many... That's a wild visual. Melnick, who to many in the room appeared intoxicated, also had a hard time identifying Ottawa players outside of stars like Alfredson and Spezza and Heatley. It was beyond embarrassing, says one person who was in the room. Uh, He also told his people to uh, tell the Ducks to shut the fuck up and turn the music down because he was talking. And they he, just won the cup. <laughs> he mocked Patrice Bergeron with a golf swing after the Senators eliminated the Bruins in, mm-hmm. I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, wild. Wild. First of all, living every Leap fan's dream like that. No, I'm I'm joking. Like, that. that is, it's it's one thing to do that to any player as an owner. Um, but uh, people took particular offense to the fact that it was Patrice Bergeron who, I don't, I, I mean, one of the classiest players in the NHL. So here's another classy player, Daniel Alfredson. When Daniel Alfredson, team captain, franchise icon, signed, and this is direct quote, signed as a free agent with Detroit in July, he accused the Senators of failing to follow through on the promise to sign him to a contract extension on two occasions. Melnick was outraged by Alfredson's departure and referred to him as a prick and an asshole to members of the executive staff as they mulled over ideas for how to handle the public messaging of his departure. The owner lumped him in with Danny Heatley, who famously demanded a trade out of Ottawa four years before that. Now, uh, you know, he accused, uh, he has a, a very complicated relationship with a Ukrainian man. Eugene's obviously background is Ukrainian. And he had some charitable efforts there. And uh, this Ukrainian person was also, this man was, he referred to Eugene as like a father, but then they didn't speak for a few years. And like Eugene would accuse him of stealing coffee pods from his mansion in Barbados. Yes. Um, there was also the there was also a strange story years ago about a reporter. No. Yeah. Oh no. Sorry. I Am thought... I allowed to say it? No. Yeah. Yeah. Go was ahead. There... No, I was pointing at my phone. <laughs> oh, I, I brought like, it up. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You but, got but, it here. But, but <laughs> you, there were several stories with a reporter, so you might be talking about a different. Well, one. the the one that you told on the show. This is one of the first sort of scandals that we sort of dealt with on the show this is Mm pre-Jesse was that there was this reporter who kept reporting hey the Senators aren't actually that good and there's some problems here with this team and the way it's constructed that's it and the then they started to get harassing things from a an IP that was based in the Ukraine so the story there is Travis Yost who now writes for TSN but then wrote for Hockey Buzz he was, uh, uh, he's, he's a really smart guy. I don't know exactly what his background is, but it, it, enough that he understood the shit he was reading and writing. Um, he wrote at length about the senator's finances and, you know, some things to do with Eugene Melnick's divorce. One day, all his work is wiped from the internet. His work on Hockey Buzz and I believe his Twitter account. Now, he eventually got it back. Uh, the articles were, like, cached and whatever, and he was able to re- recover the information. I believe you can still read them. 
And he did a little sleuthing of his own because he's smarter than the average bear. Mm-hmm. And he was able to tra- uh, trace this, like like you said, not just to an IP address in Ukraine, but to an IP address uh, that was associated with a charity that Eugene Melnick is associated with. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was Mitch Brule uh, on... Uh, on Twitter said, maybe not connected at all, but Melnick took that Ukrainian guy uh, under his wing around the same time Travis Yost got hacked and wiped off the internet for a little while. Have never forgotten that wild moment in sense history to which Yost responds, oh, it was connected by the way. I'll help them finish that part of the story. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to hear Because I remember that. That's nine years ago, by the way. It's a long time. Quite some time. P- pretty wild. Lost um, moment the in charity, history. by the way, is Help Us Help the Children. It's uh, It supports orphans in the Ukraine. And, and the gentleman that uh, Melnick supported was an orphan in a foster care in this system. And he brought him to Barbados and he gave him like the island to run like the parts of the three acre estate that he owned that there. Melnick owned like he ran that for him and it was it was the the story illustrates just the dichotomy of Melnick because he do the, like these incredible yes. things he he saved the team in Ottawa he's helping this this fo- this ch- child who's in foster care and giving him a home and then when the uh, he tries to get um, he tries to move to Canada and try to get permanent citizenship he accuses him of stealing twelve thousand dollars you know, and then now they don't, they didn't have a relationship in the end. Well, but supposedly towards the end. And then they at the very end, he's sending him money to flee the Ukraine. Because of the invasion. Right. It happened extraordinarily right. yeah. this is like then, months ago. But then yeah. he can't get a flight out of the Ukraine because of course not. So he has to drive to Holland right. and then Ukraine and then, and, and he can't get a hold of Eugene and then finally gets a hold of him. And Eugene said, well, you should have called me. You really blew your last chance. So you're going to stay there or in Holland. Anyway. Right. So he's like, like <laughs> not your brain, like literally brain, not functioning properly. Yeah. And, yes. and, and like, you're not saying that as an insult. You're talking about, he was battling disease. like illness, whatever the illness was right. and medication and everything else. But that's yeah. not a rational, reasonable response right. to something. And that's what you saw. You saw a guy who came in, they, they spent to the cap. They had uh, really robust budgets. I can't remember the Senators ever being referred to as a franchise that couldn't bring in stars until, well, 2010. They they were loaded. Loaded with stars. You know, this is a a team with huge, huge payroll. And frankly, some of the best young players in the NHL always. They had great Mm -hmm. scouting staff. They always drafted well. Now, this this is part of part and parcel of what you deal with when you deal with somebody that deals with substance abuse. It's a swing in swings in mood. Um, and sometimes then they don't remember what they said the next day. Well, and now, medication also it said in the thing. So, so this particular one, uh, I'm going to read the quote was from an email. Are you the one responsible for this fucking gay campaign? Have you lost your fucking mind? You need to take that shit down immediately. This is Friday evening, February 8th, 2019. A team executive receives a phone call. Sorry, it's not an email. Phone call from nasal, uh, from Melnick's nasal screaming reverberation on the other phone, phone line. That's how they d- describe it. He was incensed at a marketing campaign with the slogan, Love is Love, which you guys remember. Yes. Um, And it included images, still images, of same-sex couples embracing and kissing and been used to promote uh, an upcoming Senators game on the Hockey is for Everyone night. The campaign was designed to celebrate diversity and inclusion and connect with members of the Ottawa community previously left out of the organization's outreach efforts. And then he said... Uh, Melnick sneered at the images and, dis- uh, and derided the campaign. We are the laughing stock of the NHL right now. 
and he lumped it in with uh, previous marketing efforts involving pet rescue missions. As in, he didn't think the pet rescue missions or the Love is Love campaign uh, were needed or were helped promote or helped outreach or whatever. And they're not just homophobic, but they're unhinged statements. Right. And he also like, you know, would email people in the middle of the night. They had a code word for when he was in the office. He had to work with Coldplay on very loudly. So the eagle has landed. They would call him the eagle. That that uh, picture that they painted in the article was wild to me because they would hear Coldplay music in the halls and basically be like, oh, fuck. He's here. He's here. And I'm just imagining you're going about your day and then all of a sudden you hear dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 dun. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Eugene's here. Yeah. That's that yeah. Was the, the wildest thing to me is you hear the dulcet tones of Coldplay and you know your day's about to be off. It shocks me that anything got done over there. Oh, man. That, oh. that they were able to run the sends and, and that this... All of this was known, I guess, in hockey circles is kind of what I'm I'm deducing from this. A lot of people who were uh, commenting on the story, media people, they kind of understood what was going on behind the scenes in Ottawa. And it's crazy to me that it was just be it was being run like this for so long because this wasn't this wasn't a quick thing that happened in the last couple of years. He's been on this tirade for at least half a decade, probably a little bit more than that, probably a full decade if you go back to like 20, uh, 2007. It just shocks me that the Ottawa Senators have been running this organization. And there was well, criticism. Think about what Brian Murray had to go through. You know, really the most successful GM they've ever had. Yeah. Well, and and like he How was he, he was sort of known it. as the Eugene Whisperer, right? Like he would he would keep him basically at bay. Um, and there was there was some criticism when it came to the timing of the article, some people saying this should have been released a long time ago. I agree. Because we knew these stories. But also, um, the Ottawa Senators themselves, uh, when approached for a statement, said that uh, the release of this after his death was opportunistic and inappropriate. So are you are you getting to the response to that? Uh, no. So a, a lot of the, the response to, hey, why did this come out after he died? Most people who were uh, willing to voice their stories for the for the piece said that they weren't willing to talk while he was alive mm-hmm. because there were stark incidences like in that uh, Love Wait, is Love campaign yeah. where people were fired later on for what they previously did because Melnick held a grudge against everybody who crossed him. Yeah. So a lot of these stories, we don't have them if Eugene is still here because those people wouldn't have jobs. Right, and you know what? I, I mean, I, I understand uh, the opportunistic nature um, of of like what... what I understand what the senators are doing PR-wise is what I'm trying to say. The reality is that Eugene Melnick sued everybody. He did. He like they say in the article, he had a litigious nature. Right. So um, it's like one of the first things Katie Strang said. So literally, yeah, I think that they were probably concerned that it, first off, there wasn't anybody really working there. So there's like f- a pool of like five people who can talk about this. Mm-hmm. And if they were coming on the record and they were talking about it, they'd be worried about getting sued. And this guy took ten years to resolve his relationship with his ex-wife. They were in litigation for ten years, guys. So do you think that he wouldn't go to the wall on one of these ex-executives or somebody that worked for him? If he would do it with his ex-wife, man, he would do it against anybody. Right. I understand them not coming out. And listen, I understand the, the the Melnick family probably wanting to honor his memory. And I saw the Eugene Melnick patches on the, on the senators on Saturday. But to be honest with you guys, um, yes, he, 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 he helped 
keep the team in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, but he should have not been an owner a long time ago. And this is a person that, again, we're talking about a guy who called a female staffer the C word after she didn't email him back at like midnight on a Friday. Right. You know, this is the type of, this. that is abuse, guys. That's yeah. abuse. And so as long as Gary Bettman continues to allow owners like that, and Gary Bettman does have the power, believe it or not, with that NHL executive to basically force a sale. They do have that power. Um, if If they... If they want to and they want you out, you're out. And and I think because it's a privilege to be an NHL owner. That's how they look at it. Who was the GM in the Ducks who uh, had to step down um, this year? Oh, God. Uh, Bob Murray? Bob Murray. Bob Murray. I mean, he stepped down because of accusations that were far more ambiguous than the very specific stories told in that article. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I guess he's not an owner. Yeah. Yeah. What would it take to get rid of an NHL owner? Well, it wouldn't. That's this is the thing, and I think here's the thing. Gary probably had a good little handle on Eugene. The mm-hmm. problem is that Gary didn't have a handle on how Eugene treated people. And as long as owners like this are allowed to exist in the NHL, it damages the brand. They talk about an outside uh, in this article. They talk about a, 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 a basically another company came in and said, "What's the Senators' brand in the community?" And they said, first off, Eugene's brand is bigger now than the Senators' brand. Mm-hmm. It's it, and it's extraordinarily negative." That's what they said in 2017. They they did an internal report amongst employees, and the company said they had never seen so much despair amongst employees in any organization that they've ever had to do a review of. So so my question is, if, if Gary Bettman really wants to make the NHL look good, why do you keep an owner like this? Because I'm sure Gary's relationship with Eugene was fine. I'm sure there but was... But you think there, Gary didn't know? I mean, like Tom Anselmi comes knew. in and, and and he's the... Tom Anselmi, who used to run the Leafs and Raptors, goes to Ottawa to run the Senators. And you think after eight months being there, Tom Anselmi resigns because he's like, I can't handle this shit. Do you not... If you're Gary Bettman, do you not call Tom Anselmi and say, hey, Tom, what happened? Yeah, Are I mean, you kidding me? You, he knew. You control who works where. Hey, Gary, Gary, Gary chooses who's on the air. Yeah. Gary makes recommendations to broadcasting networks. I kid you not. This is a true story. He makes recommendations to broadcasting networks who's on the air. He he makes How recommendations. He makes recommendations to teams on who their who their next GM should be. Mm-hmm. This is and I'm not telling you shit that's not already out there. That's out there. You telling me he didn't know? Oh, I think he knew, but his relationship with Eugene was fine. And that's all he cares about. And that the things that control the NHL, Gary, and he had a little handle on Eugene. Eugene was never going to make any decisions that affect the National Hockey League. He just let him run his little team. And he knew what was happening. By the way, let me clarify something. In no way am I claiming that that Gary Bettman's like, I'm I'm choosing every talent that's on the air. He's not. (laughs) But he makes recommendations. You bet your ass he does. I know he does. Uh, also, I, I I think you're totally wrong, Adam. Because why? How? Are, yeah. Well, there's a reason you're on the internet, not on the air. Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, yeah, I'm kidding. No, but also, um, you know, Be- Bettman couldn't have known about anything, uh, any of these things, because he is a lawyer by trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. He didn't know. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. He's a lawyer by trade. Right. He would have written it down. There it see is. how stupid that sounds? <laughs> see how fucking dumb that anyway, sounds? Anyway, it's it's a, a, a fascinating article. Definitely worth your time. You definitely need to check it out. And you know what? Like, I know Leafs and Sens fans are not big fans of each other. Uh, but I, I have to say, as a Leaf fan, growing up in the ashes of the Harold Baller era, um, it's it's the, 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 the damage done to the Toronto Maple Leaf brand... Um, 
stayed with us for decades and has continued to this day. There's a reason the Leafs didn't even uh, like didn't come close to winning a cup in the 70s and 80s, and that was because we had our own Eugene Melnick. And he was cheap and shitty. He was a shitty man. He was a terrible man who occasionally did nice things for people to keep his name looking nice. Like, you know, there was a, a Toronto family whose house burned down and he he built them another house. Man, that's I, super nice. But but I was all talking the other about Ballard one day. Terrible shit he did to people. I was talking about Ballard one day and someone who knew him was just like, what a fun man. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I had never heard anything like that. And mm-hmm. like, you're going to listen. People are complicated. You're, 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 all right. Yes. I'm sure a guy who's that wild and erratic is kind of fun. If he's yeah. on, if you're on the right side of him. Well, the guy that the guy that that Eugene Melnick was like super close with from the Ukraine, like Eugene cut off contact with this guy, accused him of stealing fucking coffee pods. Like, are you and, kidding me? And then, and then save his life. And then help save his life. And then this man who Eugene treated essentially like shit for a while mm-hmm. says at the end of the article, he was like a father to me. And, right. you know, Eric Carlson saying the time is nigh for change. And then Melnick sends him flowers. And uh, Daniel Alfredson is in some ways to use a leaf comparison, they're Dave Keon. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that in, in terms of things that need to be done with the Ottawa senators, um, that aren't on the ice repairing that fence, uh, enormous. I mean, you you probably should look at getting a new arena, but in, in terms of, uh, not something that'll cost a billion dollars or so repairing that fence should be priority one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I understand the criticism of people being like, oh, it's it, the family is grieving. It's a it's not appropriate to release the article. But I think The Athletic did the right thing in getting this information out there, because when somebody dies, you 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 take a you take a look at how they live their lives. And I think this the, we needed an actual portrayal of Eugene Melnick. And this is what we get here in this piece. And it would be we it would be a disservice if we didn't have this. And no, we just went we about our business with the team just in the in their new uh, second second act, you know? I see four <laughs> options. Release it while he's sick. Can't do that. Release it shortly after he's died. Release it long after he's died. Don't release it. Well, also, I, I think that, again, you couldn't have released it while he was sick because mm-hmm. nobody was going to talk. Yeah, they don't have the piece if he's well, here. And so, there's yeah. that. And, and, and there's so that. I think, so, I think the the other thing, too, if you, this this is really telling. One of the vendors who, who worked with the senators to supply them whatever got an invoice from 2019 that they've been fighting to get paid. They got it paid immediately upon, like, once he was gone, they paid, the senators paid all their out, outstanding invoices. So it, a lot of times it seems like he was just fucking around to fuck around. And that doesn't seem like a rational thing to do. And you wonder what drinking and pills and, and everything else, be they paid, be they pills that you get on, you know, you know, from the supermarket, uh, pharmacy or pills that you get on the street. I don't know. It was, but it's just not, this is a, this is somebody who was not thinking straight. Right. Because it was a kidney transplant, I believe. Is that what? Liver. What liver, liver. Liver transplant, sorry. Um, and when he's going through his divorce that you were talking about, Adam, he they use an email that he sent to his ex-wife to illustrate what he was going through with the medication that he was taking for that treatment. Because uh, he, he sends her an email. It's, it's unhinged. It's aggressive. And then he emails back and he's like, don't use this. I don't know what's happening to me when they have me all in all of this stuff. Oh, man. You know, he emails that back to her and they have that in the piece. And he was on a lot of medication for all of uh, his the illnesses that he had. You know, so who knows what he was actually thinking and how much of that he was like cognizant and, for. And maybe 
maybe this legacy is a lot different had these issues not arisen. Yeah. And maybe he was a really great guy and may, and clearly was a smart business person. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's just... It, there's a lot of stories with billionaires where you're like, how did you make all this? Like, what happened? Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at some point... Right place, right time. There was a... Well, could a lot be of that. At some point, a lot of that. Or it could be at some point there was a plan and then... Yeah. Eventually, there wasn't. 